Finn J.D. John, FJ at OffbeatOregon.com, and this is the Daily Offbeat Oregon History Podcast. Today, for your listening pleasure, we have an archive show, first published as a newspaper column and podcast episode sometime in the last 10 years. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy it. This story was first published on August 10th of 2014, under the headline, Childhood Tree Planting Memories for Thousands of Oregon Kids. Here we go. The fleet of buses glided through the ghost of a forest, a forest of silver snags like millions of weather-beaten masts of old sailing ships sticking up out of the earth. It was 1949, just ten years after the second Tillamook burn had ravaged the land anew, and it was showing few signs of recovery on its own. Which is precisely why these buses full of children from the James John Grade School in Portland were here to do something about that, to help the land recover. They would be meeting men from the Oregon Department of Forestry who would hand out burly planting tools called hodags along with loaf-sized bundles of tiny Douglas fir seedlings bundled together in oiled paper. They would work all morning on their specially designated plot of once-and-future forest. They would learn about forest fire prevention, wildland ecology, and the best practices known to science in 1949 about how to care for the green treasure that surrounded them, all the while seeing with their own eyes the consequences of neglect. On their way out, they would pass other buses full of children from other schools, schools from all over the state. Each school's team had its own patch of forest to replant and took great pride in watching it grow year after year. For two generations of Oregon kids, a drive to the beach along a certain highway would always have a special meaning. All grown up now, with kids and grandkids of their own, thousands of them still turn to gaze at a certain patch of a young forest, remarking to anyone with them in the car, I helped plant that. Among all the schools that brought the teams of students out to replant the Tillamook Burn, the students from the James John Grade School set the record. From 1948 to 1973, 25 years. They came every year to spend the day planting trees, spending time outdoors, doing forestry work, learning what it is to be an Oregonian. The Kids Planting Trees program was the brainchild of Arthur Prio, the public relations man for the West Coast Lumbermen's Association. And although the kids performed less than 1% of the tree plantings that were needed and that were done to reseed the burn, the impact their efforts had went far beyond the new trees that they left in the ground. The push to replant the burn started during World War II in 1943. State forestry officials knew that dead spar pole snags that had been left in the wake of the 33 Tillamook burn were a disaster waiting to happen. They were essentially nearly half a million acres of well-seasoned firewood waiting for some careless idiot to flick a Chesterfield out the window of his car into the wrong clump of brush and start the whole Tillamook burn going again. And in fact, that had happened in 1939 and would again in 1945. Worse yet, the burned-again woodland was truly sterilized afterwards. Except for a few die-hard plants like fireweed and gorse, it showed no sign of coming back to life. The first fire had spared some seed cones which could repopulate the forest. The second fire took those freshly sprouted trees and incinerated them too, leaving nothing. It was going to have to be reseeded by hand. 
Or alternatively, it could be left as a wasteland, but a wasteland that would burn fiercely every six years or so, creating massive and uncontrollable fires that would get hot enough to spread to previously unburned forest lands like metastasizing cancer upon the land, threatening populated areas. This was not a good alternative. Inaction was not really an option. In the waning years of the war, some owners of burned-over property led the way, planting thousands of seedlings in their charred plots of one-time timberland. Along the way, they learned a thing or two about replanting, how to do it, how closely to space the trees, how to protect the seedlings from the dreaded and hungry mountain beavers, that sort of stuff. And then in 1943, state forester Nels Rogers unveiled a plan of action. It would, of course, involve spending a tremendous amount of money on land that, for all anyone knew, might be blighted forever. But Governor Earl Snell appointed a committee which recommended that the state go ahead with it. Rogers' plan involved first fireproofing the burn by cutting and clearing a series of firebreaks, threading thousands of miles of roads through it, beefing up fire lookouts, and installing and filling strategically located water reservoirs. Next, the land would be sectioned off into parcels that would be managed as, essentially, tree farms. This was to be a working forest, not a park. Revenues from the tree farms, when they started coming in, would be divided between the counties to which they had escheated after the owners stopped paying property taxes on them, and the state which was coordinating and financing the whole thing. To finance Rogers' plan, the state put a measure on the 1948 ballot, seeking bonding authority to get started. And in one of Oregon history's most surprising ironies, the measure failed in Tillamook County, the county that would most benefit from it. However, it passed by high enough margins elsewhere in the state that the measure passed. Narrowly, but it passed. And thus it was that in the following year, the blackened woodlands started to echo to the happy shouts of schoolchildren and the smack of hodags biting into the charred earth. Of course, more than just a few crews of kids would be needed to seed 350,000 acres. Vast sections of it were seeded by air as helicopters with big hoppers scattered thousands of pounds of tree seeds over inaccessible areas along with rodent bait in an attempt to kill off the mice and voles and mountain beavers that would eat the seeds before they could sprout. This worked in a few places. In places where it didn't, crews of hired planters like the Hodads of Eugene not to be confused with the hodag, the the planting tool that they used, joined crews of convicts putting in day after day of grueling work and soggy springtime drizzles and blazing afternoon sun, planting trees by hand, one by one. And in other parts of the state, armies of youngsters in forested areas collected sacks of pine cones to sell to the state to keep the operation going. It all came to a sort of a triumphant conclusion in 1973, when Governor Tom McCall, speaking from the stage at Owl Camp, the same place where the replanting efforts had started 25 years before, announced that the operation had been successfully completed, and that henceforth the lands formerly known as Tillamook Burn would be called the Tillamook State Forest. For thousands of Oregon schoolchildren, it was a bittersweet thing. The Oregon kids who started school in 1974, including, by the way, me, at Molala Grade School, would never know the camaraderie and sense of purpose enjoyed by our slightly older classmates who had helped replant that forest, although we would occasionally hear them talk about the experience. That experience may not have resulted in very many trees being planted, relative to the whole huge job, but that was never its ultimate purpose. Quote, in 1950, I had no idea that it would continue for 20 years and involve 25,000 youths and 2,500 adults. 
said Donald W. Stotler of Portland Public Schools at the end of the operation. I gaze out at what is now a forest and feel confident that we accomplished our original mission, plant trees and grow citizens. Key sources for this story included works by Ellis Lucia and Gail Wells. Well, that's our show for today. Thanks again for listening, and I do hope you enjoyed it. This podcast is part of Offbeat Oregon History, a public history resource for the state we love. Check out our hub page at offbeatoregon.com to explore all the other things we do or to find full citations and visuals that go with today's show. This podcast is covered under a Creative Commons license. For details of that, see offbeatoregon.com cc. Our theme music is by the Atlas String Band and was written by Carmen Ficara. Listen and download more at atlasstringband.com. Offbeat Oregon History episodes are uploaded every weekday morning at around 6 a.m., so it'll be a couple of days before you get your next fix. Until then, go out and fill up the rest of the day and the subsequent weekend with good stuff. Bye now. Bye now.